Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. Our scripture this morning comes from Acts chapter 17, beginning with verse 16. We spent the the whole summer working our way through Acts, but this is a passage we did not look at this summer. I saved it for today. So try to, to boot up some of that information from Acts from the summer. See how this fits in. While Paul waited for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed to find that the city was flooded with idols. He began to interact with the Jews and Gentile God worshipers in the synagogue. He also addressed whoever happened to be there in the marketplace each day. Certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers engaged him in discussion too. Some said, what an amateur, what's he trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods. They said this because he was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. They took him into custody and brought him to the council on Mars Hill. What is this new teaching? Can we learn what you're talking about? You've told us some strange things that we want to know what they mean. They said this because all Athenians, as well as the foreigners who live in Athens used to spend their time doing nothing but talking about or listening to the newest thing. Paul stood up in the middle of the council on Mars Hill and said, People of Athens, I see that you are very religious in every way. As I was walking through town and carefully observing your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. What you worship is unknown, I now proclaim to you. God who made the world and everything in it is Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't live in temples made with human hands, nor is God served by human hands as though he needed something, since he is the one who gives life and breath and everything else. From one person, God created every human nation to live on the whole earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their lands. God made the nations so they would seek him, perhaps even reach out to him and find him. In fact, God isn't far away from any of us. In God we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets said, we are his offspring. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. Lord, uh, would you in these moments uh, open our minds, open our hearts, open our souls to explore new ideas, to be stretched, to think new ways as you lead us, as you inspire us, as you guide us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I don't know that I've ever mentioned here uh, my deep love for Bob Marley. I mean, deep love. Uh, I I like a lot of musical genres. Uh, I like reggae music broadly. There are a number of artists that I enjoy. Something about reggae music that 
that recalibrates, resets the, the proper tempo of my heart. Uh, but no one in my mind or heart compares to the music of Bob Marley. Uh, his picture hangs in my study. I think I own every song he's ever recorded. I've even been to his house in Kingston, Jamaica, which is now a Bob Marley Museum. A pretty, pretty interesting place. A song in uh, the, the Bob Marley discography is Soul Rebel. It's not my favorite Bob Marley song, but there's a phrase in it that has always intrigued me. It goes like this. I'm a rebel, a soul rebel. I'm a capturer, a soul adventurer. I don't have a clue what he's talking about. But I love that idea, a soul adventurer. Just let your mind kind of play with that idea. Think about adventurers in general. People who have set off from homes to places they've never been. Sailors heading off to distant horizons, uh, hikers hanging, going over a mountain, not knowing what's on the other side, explorers, adventurers, always on the go, always exploring something new, always adapting, always learning, always deepening their understanding, going places that others fear to go, going places that others wouldn't bother to go, going because there's something to go there's something about adventurers and explorers that know the world in a bigger, deeper, broader, vaster way than the rest of us. Well, if that's, that's an adventurer in general, an explorer in general, what would it mean to be a soul adventurer? A soul explorer? What if being a follower of Jesus, what if being a Christian is less about doctrines? in particular religious practices? What if it's more an invitation to a journey, a lifelong journey of learning and discovering and becoming? What if God made our souls in such a way that they'll only be satisfied if we're continuously in pursuit of God? The Celtic Christian author John O'Donohue writes, even though your body is always bound to one place, your mind is a relentless voyager. Discovery is the nature of the soul. There is some wildness in us calling us to live everything. Isn't that enticing? Don't you want to live that way? I know I do. So last week we started a new series that's four weeks. We're calling it The Journey Deeper. Not just further, but deeper. Uh, and it's based on something I discovered this summer in a book written by an author named Belden Lane. He's a Presbyterian pastor. It's called The Great Conversation, Nature and the Care of the Soul. It's really a book about falling in love with creation as people of faith. And in it, he presents sort of a model for how we might approach that. He says that many of us begin our relationship with creation that God made just as consumers. We take from it. It's a commodity that we just take and use as we want. And when it all runs out, well, so be it, right? We just, it's there for the taking. We just use it the way we want to. He says we need to go further than that. 
In fact, he encourages the next step to be exploration, study, research. Find something about the created order that you feel passionate about. Recycling, uh, um, the, the, the flight patterns of the bumblebee. I mean, whatever, right? You know, find something you're passionate about and let that lead you to a place of awe and wonder of creation and the creator. That's the third step, worship. But ultimately, he invites us to fall in love, that the more we dig deep into creation, understand it better, understand God's hand in it, the more that we'll learn to love God and creation. Well, as I read this, I thought, well, that's not just true about how we relate to the created world. This is a pretty good model for the spiritual journey. Because don't we, most of us, begin our journey thinking of God sort of in the same way, a commodity, right? Santa Claus in the sky, right? Send that letter up and say, I've been a good boy or girl. Would you please send me everything I want? Amen. And then expect it, right? Or we treat God like a good luck charm. God's going to take care of me and do everything I want. God's there for me to get the things I want in life. That's a consumer mentality of God. I go to Amazon to get what I want. I go to Publix to get what I want. I go to God to get what I want. It's sort, of, it's sort of a basic understanding of God, right? But what if we went further? What if we saw the spiritual life as a life of exploration, of digging deeper, of finding out more? What if that led us to be worshipers of God? Not worship as consuming, but worship as a heartfelt expression to appreciation of God and ultimately to love God. So that's the journey that we're going to be on over these weeks. Last week, Cam led us into a, an exploration of what it means to be people who consume God, invite us to, to be not people who are subtle for having, but who we can be in God. Today, I want to invite you to be soul explorers. Soul explorers. Always curious. Always wondering. Never giving up with the, uh, on hard topics, never giving in to the easy answer. Victoria Lures wrote a book called Church of the Wild, How Nature Invites Us into the Sacred. She says, imagine how different life would be right now if Christianity could become a place for sacred conversation, a place to explore possibilities and express doubts and disagree and encourage voices on the edges. And here, that, 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 that flavor of discovering together. Or British pastor Martin Camrow writes, intelligence is not knowing everything without questioning, but rather the willingness to question everything you think you know. That's a little bit uncomfortable, but that's how we go deeper. That's how we journey deeper. deeper. So here's the question I'm asking. What if... Following Jesus is less about assenting to or rejecting doctrines that we don't like. And what if Christianity is more an invitation to wonder, to curiosity, to questioning, to seeking, to exploring, to observation, to learning and discovering, to deeper conversations and dialogues, to growing and learning all our lives. When I went to seminary, I supposedly was taught everything I needed to know to become a United Methodist pastor. 
They taught me Bible, they taught me theology, they taught me how to preach and how to administrate and how to do pastoral care and how to teach. They taught me church history and Methodism. I can tell you they didn't teach me everything I needed to know to become a pastor. They taught me a lot. I'll have to admit that I've probably forgotten more than I remember. I learned a lot then. It's just hard to retain it all. But I would also say that I hardly learned everything in seminary that I need for my soul to keep growing. That much of what I've learned has been the journey of my life. Marriage has taught me about love and commitment and faithfulness. Parenting taught me how to understand the the parental nature of God's love. Spending time in monasteries has taught me to understand prayer and spirituality in different ways. Physical practices like yoga and martial arts and breathing and contemplation taught me more the connection of body and soul. Spending time in Guatemala among indigenous Mayan people has taught me to see the world in a bigger, broader way. Even dabbling in foreign languages sometimes expands my theological language because there's different nuances. Being among poor people in developing nations has taught me more about justice than just reading a book. A couple years ago, I was at a conference and the speaker was a pastor who was a woman who was Korean-American. And there were, most of the people in the, in the crowd were like me. They were middle-aged white male pastors. And she just called us out at one point. She said, okay, I'm going to stop here. I'm going to talk to all the white male pastors in the room. You don't need to read another white male author in your life. That's what she said. You don't need to read another one. You've read enough of them. It's time to read authors of color. It's time to read more women. And you know what? I went back to my office and looked around, and guess what my shelves were full of? Books written by white men. I've been really intentional ever since to read more diverse authors so that it would stretch me to think in different ways. Living in the neighborhood near Parkland, uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, when that tragedy occurred involving lots of my church members, caused me to ask questions, to think in ways I never had before. All of my simplistic ideas about why evil things happen in the world just didn't hold up when it was my own church members. I had to dig deeper. Through my life, I've been blessed. I have countless teachers and role models and preachers and people I know from afar and people I know up close. And everyone has had an influence on helping me to learn and grow. My, my point is, these are just examples from my life. There's more. You could share examples from your life. When have you been pushed to think about life and faith and spirituality and God in new in deeper and involving ways. Sometimes situations just happen that make us, right? Sometimes just circumstances happen or tragedy happens and we just, we have to learn and grow. But we can also be intentional about it. We can seek it, right? We can find ways to pursue things more deeply. Well, all of that brings us finally to the, the passage of scripture that I read for us just a few moments ago from Acts 17. Paul finds himself in ancient Greece and Athens. Think back to your Western civilization class, your European history class, your antiquities, anybody? Any of those classes? 
Think about what ancient Greece was like, what ancient Athens was like. Known for philosophy, right? Known for debate. Known for worshiping many gods. They were polytheistic. There were temples and altars everywhere in Athens. Now imagine being Paul, a Jew, a former Pharisee, walking into a community where there are gods everywhere. Remember what the first commandment is? You shall have no other gods. I mean, by nature, this had to have been both foreign and bewildering to Paul, but also in some ways disturbing. This is uncomfortable. You ever been in a place that like, I don't think I'm supposed to be here right now. (laughs) This is not comfortable. But rather than rejecting Athens and walking away, Paul saw an opportunity. As he looked at all of these temples and shrines and altars, he noticed one in particular that was inscribed, altar to an unknown God. Listen to this for a second. These people were polytheistic. They believed that there were all of these gods that they knew by name, their temples to all of them. But somebody thought, you know, there could be a God out there that we haven't found yet. That we don't know their name, so let's build an altar because the last thing we would ever want to do is offend a God, right? I mean, this is, this is really it. So Paul sees this. He's engaged with the conversations with, with the philosophers, the debaters. And he says this to them. Rather than telling them that he's hurt, that he's offended, that he doesn't like what he's seeing, listen to what he says. People of Athens, I see that you are very religious in every way. I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. What you worship as unknown, I now proclaim to you. I know who this, I know who this God is that you don't know the name of. He doesn't live in temples made with human hands, nor is God served by human hands as though he needed something, since he is the one who gives life, breath, and everything else. From one person, God created every human nation, basically including you Greeks, every, one human nation to live on the whole earth, having determined that there are appointed times and the boundaries of their lands. Now listen to this. God made the nations so that they would seek him, perhaps even reach out to him and find him. In fact, God isn't far away from any of us. In him we live and move and exist. Did you catch catch that one phrase there in 27? God made the nation, he made us humans so that we would seek him. That's, That's active, that's pursuing, that we would seek him, perhaps reach out to him and find him. Paul saw within Greek polytheistic theology evidence that God has created a hunger. Why why else would they build so many altars and so many temples? There is a hunger to connect with the divine. In fact, Paul leans into a a teaching he has in Romans 1.20. He says, ever since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, God's eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen because they are understood through the things God has made. In essence, Paul's theology is that just look around. There's evidence of God everywhere. And all these different religions are just evidence that all people are looking for an understanding of God. He says, I know who this God is, this God of the unnamed 
altar. You want to know about God? Just look around. There's signs, there's opportunities everywhere to know God more. I think it's the first scripture I ever learned by heart. It comes from Luke 11.9. It's also in Matthew. Jesus says, I tell you, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. To everyone who knocks, the door is open. That's a pretty extraordinary present, uh, um, pretty extraordinary offer, isn't it? Pretty extraordinary promise. You want to know God more? Ask. There's something you'd like to understand better? Seek. There's some mystery hidden from you? Knock. God wants to give these things to you. What, what I'm proposing today is that faith, a life of faith, is an invitation on a journey. That God is inviting us to put on our spiritual hiking boots, to, to pack our, our spiritual backpack, to pull out our spiritual maps and guides and compass and binoculars and to go out on a journey. To be like the explorers of old, leaving the unknown, leaving for the unknown so that it can become the known. Like astrologists looking through telescopes of the heavens, trying to understand the mystery of the universe. Like scientists in labs, always seeking the new invention, the new possibility. Like biologists and botanists and environmentalists and anthropologists and zoologists, oceanographers, going to the ends of the earth because their passion drives them. What if we did the same with God? Our understanding of God. I just want you to reflect for a minute. What questions do you have about God? When you think about God, what are the, the unsettled questions you have? What, what leaves you unsure? Or go the other way. What are the things about the nature of God that really turn you on? That really excite you? That really inspire you? What confuses you? What truth do you want to better understand? Pursue that. Go deeper with that. Never settle for the easy answer. And never just dismiss it because you don't like it. Go deeper. There's always the opportunity to go deeper. Investigate it. Explore it. Read more. Take a class. Volunteer in some new way. Go on a retreat or a mission trip or a, a, a pilgrimage of some sort. Consult an expert. Become an expert. That's how we go deeper with God. Seek the new answer. Seek the new idea. Ask more questions. In fact, that's what I find. Every time I gain some new great insight into God, all I discover is there's more questions to be answered. Good. Go find the answers to them. A great influence on the Methodist movement was a, a, a peer of John Wesley, our founder. His name was George Whitfield. In fact, they eventually parted company, but I'm not sure Methodism ever would have happened without George Whitfield. He was a revivalist in England of the 18th century. I love this quote. He said, I'm never better than when I'm on, on the full stretch for God. That's just a good phrase to remember. I'm never better than I'm on, when I'm on a full stretch for God. I find that to be true. When I'm stretching, when I'm seeking, when I'm, when I'm learning, God does good things. Or put it another way, 
The very wise teacher Howard Thurman said, to move with reverence through all of life, always seeking and finding, always building and rebuilding, always repenting, always rejoicing. This is to walk with God. Let's pray. So God, I pray that you would plant a deeper hunger and desire in each of our hearts to know more about you. To never be content with easy, shallow answers. To never give up on hard ideas. To always be open to the new thought, the new idea, so that we might know you better, so that we might love you more. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.